All right. Well, a couple reminders. I just want to emphasize, Camille, the announcements. First off, everybody say encounter. We are so excited. We got two weeks until the ladies' encounter and then three weeks till the men's encounter. So there's a whole bunch of people already signed up and registered, but my wife especially wanted me to remind all the ladies that the deadline for sign-up, we originally said it's today, but it's Tuesday. Everybody say Tuesday. So that is the deadline to sign up. And I've had some conversations in my life. You know, sometimes, I don't know, people don't really believe the deadline date. And they think, well, you know, I might still be able to slip in. I promise you, Sharon Joy Witten, Pastor Sharon Joy Witten, is very determined. After Tuesday, she's already got a ton of ladies. So after Tuesday, you will miss your opportunity. So make sure you get registered, you get signed up, you get involved in the counter. Gentlemen, we are looking at next Sunday as our deadline for registration. So if you haven't signed Signed up yet? These are amazing days, amazing, like a Friday, Saturday combination. We eat food together, we pray, we pour into you. God does some incredible things. And so I want to encourage you, especially the guys, because we got a, a bunch of ladies. Gentlemen, we're a little slow on the uptake, which is fine. That's very typical for us as guys, but I want you to sign up. I want you to plug in. I want you to get involved. Also, can we join me in keeping our young people in prayer this coming weekend because they are going to be at the Change Youth Conference. And so the Change Youth Conference is going to be happening at Queensway Cathedral. Several thousand young people are coming together. It is going to be a powerful time. Parents, sign up your students. Get them involved. If you have any questions, you can talk with Paul. You can talk with Ed Esther, Rashida, any of other of the leadership team. Contact at the office. But we want you to know we're going to have an amazing time. Keep them in prayer. And last but not least, everybody say this Friday. I want to put an extra emphasis on all church prayer. What God is doing here at Toronto City Church, what God is doing in our lives, very much the foundation of it is prayer. Very much it's the engine that drives and move forward what God is doing. And so these times of prayer are so important and they're so powerful. And I really want to encourage you to be there. We, one of the things we were believing the Lord this year is to get up to over 100 TCC family members at All Church Prayer, leaning in, pressing to God. We had a great time last month. We're believing for it this month. You have a spot. You have an important part to play. So we want to see you this Friday at 7.30 p.m. All right, well, today we are continuing in our prototype theme with a little bit of, a, I guess I could call it a Thanksgiving edge to things. And so as we've been doing for the last number of weeks, I want to invite you just to stand with me as we're going to read the Word of God. We're going to read our core text. Yeah, Justin, we're good at, at that point. Thank you very much, sir. So Acts 2, 42 to 47, if you're reading off your Bible or device, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. You can just join me in reading from the screen. Let's read together. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we honor your word today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to hear from your word and to receive your word. And Lord, I thank you that you want to speak to each one of us today. Lord, I thank you that you want to speak to us through your word and our hearts are open to receive. Open our eyes to see what you want us to see. 
Open our ears today to hear what you want us to hear. God, we want to have hearts that are open to receive the seed of your word so that it will grow and so that it will bring a harvest in our lives. Lord, I thank you finally that today as we hear this word, we're not just going to be hearers, but we are going to be doers of the word. Father, even as we listen to it, we are going to be looking and praying and thinking about how can I put this word into practice. And so we thank you, God. I pray that each person here will not hear so much what I say, but they will hear what you say to them through what I say today. And so we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. And everyone agree with me, said, amen. You may take your seats. So today we're continuing in our prototype series. It's really been our focus for the fall. As I've said to you several times, I really felt like this fall might be a little bit more free-flowing. We're going to be on a certain theme, but I want to be really open to where the Holy Spirit might take us and be open to what the Holy Spirit might do. And so those of you who have been here for the last number of weeks, you will remember, but just for a recap, out of this passage in the book of Acts, we have been talking about essentials or different things that we feel that God is so key and so important what God's building here at Toronto City Church. He's building something. It's a new season. He's doing new things. But we're still looking for what are the foundational building blocks that we want to build with? What are the foundational things that we believe God wants to put into place here? And the things that are essential to us, the things we need to emphasize. And so on the previous weeks, and you can always go on the podcast or on YouTube and listen online, we've been talking about the importance of prayer. We've talked about the importance of encounter and encountering God. We've talked about the power of radical generosity. We have talked about the importance of, of community and koinonia. And the last week we had an amazing time being able to talk about the power of being together and just this devotion and this commitment to gathering together. And so today I want to continue to build on these things and I want to talk to you about another very important essential that I think is very much part of our DNA here. It's very much right from the foundations of Toronto City Church. But I believe it's a very important essential that we need to have going forward. You know, there's a, a temptation that, that us as preachers often run into. And uh, it's something we, we got to wrestle with, we got to battle with. And that's simply this. On Thanksgiving, there's always a temptation to preach a message on Thanksgiving. There's always a message. It's a real easy go-to. It's a really easy go-to. I, I always try to avoid it. Not because I don't like talking about Thanksgiving and not because I don't believe in the power of Thanksgiving, but it just to me seems too easy on Thanksgiving weekend to teach on Thanksgiving. But you know what? This Sunday, I'm going to give in to the temptation. And this Sunday, I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving. Everybody say Thanksgiving. I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving, but I want to talk to you because it really started to open up for me in a fresh way that I hadn't seen it before as I was preparing this message this week. I want to talk to you about the connection between thanksgiving and praise. Everybody say thanksgiving and praise. See, one of the essentials that we see here in the early church was the simple two words, verse 47, it says praising God. And the early church There was this spirit, there was this atmosphere, there was this commitment to praising God. And I want to talk to you about thanksgiving. I want to talk to you about praise because I believe that this whole aspect of thanksgiving and praise is foundational to who we are at Toronto City Church. It was foundational right to the early days, almost 35 years ago when this church began. Church Without Limits, which was part of the merge when we came together. It was foundational to where we are and I believe it was foundational to where we've come from. But I also believe it is so foundational to where we're going. Everybody say thanksgiving and praise. 
And so let's start to talk about Thanksgiving. I'm going to have lots of scriptures today and lots of stuff I'm packing into this. I was a little nervous that I'd be able to fit it all, but I managed in first service, so agree with me this service will do it as well. Psalm 107 verse 1 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let me read that again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Now, a couple things that leap out to me from this verse right away. First and foremost is I notice here when it says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. This is not an optional thing that the Bible is talking about. This is a command, not a suggestion. Everybody say a command, not a suggestion. One of the ways we get ourselves into trouble as Christians is we treat commands like they're suggestions. We treat commands that God has given us. He says, this is what I want you to do. And we treat it as a suggestion that we feel like God is saying to us, if it's convenient, if it works for you, if it's not. But here's the thing is if you do things God's way, you get God's results. But if you decide you're going to do things your way, you miss out on what God has for you. And so we see here that giving thanks to God is a command, not a suggestion. Someone tell your neighbor, it's a command, not a suggestion. Secondly, what I love about this is it says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. So we need to give thanks to God. Why? Oh, give thanks to the Lord because you had a good week. Oh, give thanks to the Lord because everything's going the way you want it to go. Oh, give thanks to the Lord because you're really happy with where your life is right now. How many know it doesn't say any of those things? What does it say? It says, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is, he is good. In other words, there's this command of thanksgiving, but the thanksgiving is not based on our circumstances or our situations or what's going on in our life. The command for thanksgiving is based on the fact that he is good. And what that does is that brings this stability to our thanksgiving because what I realize that I do and what most of us do is we give thanks to God based on our circumstances instead of based upon his goodness. And see, our circumstances can go up and down. Our circumstances can shift and change. But how do you know the goodness of God never shifts and the goodness of God never changes? And so we need to learn to give thanks because of his goodness. And then what happens is as we learn to give thanks to him because of his goodness, he steps into our circumstances and our situations. But the problem for so many of us is we are too used to giving thanks based on what's going on with us instead of giving thanks based on who he is. When you came in this morning to worship and praise, did you come in to give thanks to God because he's good? Or did you reference how you were feeling, how you were doing, how your week was going, how well you slept last night, everything else in between? See, what happens is a lot of us, without even realizing it, we end up living in this zone. So our thanksgiving goes up and down based on the circumstances. But if your thanksgiving is based on his goodness, you're always going to give thanks. Come on, everybody say, he is good. Come on, somebody say, give thanks. I love the next verse, Psalm 50, 14. It says, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. So this is so interesting to me. So it talks about giving thanks to God because he's good. Now it starts talking about a sacrifice of thanksgiving. See, what I realize when you think of the word sacrifice, what do you think of? Well, I think of something that I give. I think of something that costs me something. I think of something that's about somebody else more than it's about me. 
And the Bible tells us that our thanksgiving is actually a sacrifice that we bring to God. Again, what I really want us to catch here is we are so wired to give thanks based on us, our circumstances, how we feel. But God is saying, no, I want you to rise above that. I want you to understand that you give thanks because I am good and it is a sacrifice that you bring to me. How many of us today brought a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God? And how many of us came in, like straight up, oriented around me and what's going on with me and what I need today? It's like, no, God says, I want you to rise above. Learn to give thanks. Learn to bring a sacrifice. Everybody say, bring a sacrifice. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, growing up, I always heard this verse from kind of the King James Version or the New King James Version where it says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning. Now what I want you to notice is, notice it didn't say for everything give thanks. Some people read that verse and just think, oh, I just give thanks for anything. It can be terrible. It can be awful. I just need to thank God for it. No, you don't need to give God thanks for everything because if the devil's attacking your life, you're not giving God thanks. But in everything, learn to give thanks. In every season, in every situation, in every circumstance, learn to bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. Learn to give thanks. Come on, everybody say, give thanks. Family, there is something so powerful about when we learn to live as people who give thanks. Where we learn to become, I'll say it this way, experts at giving thanks. Are you an expert today at complaining or are you an expert at giving thanks? Are you an expert at telling God about the problem or are you an expert at giving thanks to God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do? Where are we? I, I pulled a quote actually. Uh, just doing some research on this from Kenneth Copeland, the rest of me. He said, he said, developing a life of thanksgiving and gratitude. I think there's a better way of saying it. Just develop a life of gratitude. You can look at that from both sides of the issue. A heart that's all the time griping and grumbling and going on about what God hasn't done for you or he should have done this or why did he let this happen to me and all of that and you never thank him. He said, or I like the approach of what Keith Moore said. He said, well, okay, your hand hurts. Does the other hand hurt? Do your feet hurt? Do your legs hurt? Does your head hurt? Well, give thanks for all the parts of you that are feeling good and then go, give glory to God and go get your hand healed. And I really started thinking about it because we are so, get so focused on again, complaining. This is the problem. This is what God isn't doing. And we completely take us out, ourselves out of the zone. We have so much to give thanks for. I remember one of the first places I learned this was growing up from my mom. Because in forever, you know, did you ever have your stuff your parents did that you hated at the moment, but now when you grow up, you're like, oh, I see what they were doing. And now your kids hate it just as much. And you're like, oh, when you grow up, you understand too. So I remember we'd be upset about something. We couldn't do something. You know, something was going on and we just have terrible attitudes. And my mom would look at us, you know, and she'd just go, right now, I want you to tell me 10 things you're thankful for. Oh, I hated it. Because I don't want to think about what I'm thankful for right now. I don't. I want to. I want to have my pity party. I want to sit here and be mad about what's going on. I don't want to think of what's giving thanks. But she looked there, you know, and she kind of. Okay, let's go. Come on, ten things you're thankful for. What are you thankful for? Well, okay. And you know, you know, you, you don't want to do it, but if you know you don't do it, it's just going to be a worse situation. So you know, you're there, and you're like, well, thankful for my mom. 
right? And I'm thankful for my dad, and I'm thankful for my clothes, and, and you know, but what was she teaching us in this? And I, I don't know, I, I doubt by the 10th time we were all back to normal, but she was, it's a teachable moment because so often we, we don't live in thanksgiving. We don't live with awareness of all that we have to be thankful for. We get just focused on the things that are not. God taught me more about this uh, in my life. Um, you know, I can be a pretty intense person. I'd be a pretty intense personality. If you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. But I, I can get in my head. I can be very focused on things. I can be very driven. And one of the things that I just kind of subconsciously developed as my way of approaching life was, was very hard on myself. I'd be very hard on people around me. But part of being hard on myself was I would say, okay, this is wrong right now. I need to fix this. Right? Like I got a bad grade in school. Okay, I'm just, I need to nail this. I'm going to get this taken care of. And, and my, my lenses for looking at life were what's wrong, what do I need to fix, what isn't good right now, let me fix this. Now here was the problem. It was kind of like whack-a-mole. You remember whack-a-mole back at Chuck E. Cheese where you have like the thing and those little creatures pop up and you hit them and another one pops up and you hit it. So I'd be like, okay, I'm getting this thing fixed. I'm taking care of this thing and I'm not going to be happy until this is fixed. Right? I'm going to, and then I get it fixed. You know what happens? Something else goes wrong. Or maybe I'm good for a day or I'm good for half a day, but something else comes up that I need to fix. Something else comes up that's not good. So now I'm focused on this thing. This is not good. And I'm going to drive myself to get this fixed. Get that fixed. What happens? Something else pops up. And I would be so intense in so many days on this isn't right. I need to fix this. I need to take care of this. And, and it was so, so what, I, what I learned, and it kind of, it got me into a very, what I say, half glass empty kind of mentality in my life. There wasn't a lot of joy. Because how can you have joy if all you're focused on is this is wrong, i got to fix this, and I'm driving myself to do it. There wasn't necessarily a lot of peace because my peace was tied to everything being perfect. Right? I was definitely hard to live with. So what I, what I learned to do, so I, I had this mentality, so I'm coming from kind of this negative perspective. And, and so what I used to have to do, I don't want to live there, so I, I, my devotional times, because I didn't understand what was wrong with my thinking, but my devotional times, I go, okay, get in the Word. Okay, I'm feeling a little better. I'm feeling a little more peace. I'm feeling nausea. Okay, I'm going to pray. I, I'm not joking. Some days Pastor Sharon would look at me. She'd be like, did you do devotions yet today? I'd be like, no, I did not do my devotions yet today. She'd go, okay, go to your devotions. I will talk to you after you're done talking to God because I've had enough right now. Because I'd just be so intense about things. And I remember one day the Lord started talking to me. He said, Brendan, you know you don't need to live this way, right? I'm like, okay. He was getting my attention. He's like, if you would just learn, instead of focusing on the one thing that's wrong, and you would start learning to give me thanks for all the things that are good, it would completely change your perspective of what's going on in your life. Yes, still tackle the thing that needs to be, but come from a position of thanksgiving. Come from a position of giving thanks. So yeah, you need to get this area sorted in your life. But how about thanking me that you're saved? How about thanking me that you have a relationship with me? How about thanking me for the amazing wife I've blessed you with? How about thanking me for your kids who are awesome? How about thanking me for the house you have to live in? How about thanking me for two cars? How about thanking me for the health that's in your body? How about thanking me for the plans and purposes I have for your life? Get thanking me for all that you have. And then you have a totally different mindset when you approach what you need to approach. 
Well, I started working and cultivating this. It was hard at first, but it completely changed my mindset and perspective. And I hope my wife will agree. (laughs) But it completely changed things for me. Why? Because I learned to live from a place of thanksgiving. Everybody say, give thanks. See, family, I want to encourage you today. When you are thankful, number one, it glorifies God. Complaining does not glorify God. Mumbling and murmuring does not glorify God. Being so down and so depressed does not glorify God. But when you learn to give thanks, it glorifies God. How many times have we seen people be like, come and follow Jesus Christ and be a Christian and you can have joy and peace just like me. (laughs) People look at you, they're like, I don't want to be like you. You walk around sad all the time. You walk around that. Like, there's what's attractive about that? But when you learn to come into a place of thanksgiving, it completely changes your perspective. It's not that actually anything changes. It's just you start acknowledging all you have to be thankful for. Because I promise you, just as my mom used to tell us when we were kids, whatever you got going on right now in your life, you might be facing some challenges. If you will take a step back and ask God to help you see all that you have to be thankful for, you will realize there is far more for you than there is against you. And even the challenges that you face, your faith is increased because look what God's done. I know he will do it. Come on, everybody say give thanks. So see, when you're thankful, it glorifies God. When you're thankful, it helps you see God. See, when I woke up this morning, it was overcast. It was gray. I didn't go, oh, no, I wonder if something happened to the sun. Is the sun ever going to come back? Text some prayer partners. We need to pray today. The sun is missing. I don't know what happened to it. No, the sun is still there. The sun is just as powerful as it always was. My perspective just got clouded up. And even if you were to hop in an airplane, you quickly fly up above it and you'd realize there's just a cloud cover right now. Nothing has really changed. The sun is still there. In the same way, so often we lose sight of God in our circumstances situation. But when you learn to give thanks, it helps you see who he is. It's almost like a wind of the spirit comes in and blows the clouds away so you can see what God has already said, what God has already done, and who God still is in your life. God hasn't changed. God's promises haven't changed. God's word hasn't changed. Learn to give thanks. Everybody say, give thanks. So when I'm thankful, it glorifies God. When I'm thankful, it helps me see God. Number three, when I'm thankful, it helps strengthen my faith. I've seen this in my life. There's certain elements of the journey I've walked so far, especially around just the way God's come through over and over and over again in provision. I've literally reached a point in my faith when we need provision or we need God to come through for something. I'm literally in the place where I just go, well, I'm going to see how he does it this time. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. But part of the reason I know he's going to do it is I recall all the times he's done it for me already. And I'm thankful for all he's done. And when you reflect on and you're thankful and you tell the testimony of what God has done before, it strengthens your faith for what's going on right now. I mean, I think sometimes, I I don't know, God, he's so gracious, he's so loving to us, but I can imagine sometimes with me, I've come with a prayer request, and I can think of everything, God, I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, God's looking at me, like, really? It's kind of like when you, like, I'm sure, you know, he doesn't say, he probably thinks that, he's loving, come on, Brendan, it's okay, I got you. But in his mind, he's like, really? Like, I, I came through here, I came through here, I came through there, I protected you from that. You didn't even know I protected you from that, but I protected you from that, and I provided here, and I provided. Why are you worrying right now? 
It's kind of like we read about the children of Israel sometimes. And when God did all these great miracles, and then like three days they have no water, like we want to go back to Egypt. <laughs> and you read it, you're going, what are you guys thinking? He just split the Red Sea. He did this, he did that. And yet how many times do we do the exact same thing? Why? Because we don't cultivate Thanksgiving. Okay, Paul, Paul, can you just grab me a couple of tissues? I'm preaching strong today, sweating. I didn't grab my towel or whatever else. Yeah, not so much tissues. Get me paper towel. Tissues fall apart too quickly, and they stick on my head and stuff. It's just not good. So, all right, it's part of the problem of being bald, all right? So, number four, when you're thankful. Thank you, by the way. When you're thankful, it leads you to joy. You know what? It leads you to joy because joy is, again, not based on circumstances. Joy is based on expectation of what God's going to do. So when you are in a life of thankfulness, it leads to a life of joy. Because you are so aware of what God's done, you're so aware of his promises, you're remembering, you're declaring who he is, and it brings you to a place of joy. Everybody say joy. Thank you, Paul. And so it brings you to a place of joy. Number five, when you're thankful, it sabotages the lies of the enemy. Well, you know, sometimes the enemy comes, he's just in your ear. I know it happens to more people than me. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. You're never going to amount to anything. God's never going to change your kid. God's never going to do this. God's, and he's just, nah, 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 in your mind. And see, here's part of the problem. Some of us, he attacks us in our thoughts. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. Right? In Matthew chapter 4, when the devil is tempting Jesus, did he think it is written? No, he said it is written. Everybody say, he said. See, when you learn to give thanks, you silence the lies of the enemy. Because you can't think one thing and say another thing at the same time. And so when he comes with his lies, you learn to release the power of thanksgiving. Oh, you're never going to make it. God, I thank you that you're going to make a way. God, I thank you that you meet every need according to your riches and glory. God, I thank you that back in that situation in my life, you came through for me. In that situation in my life. And the enemy's going to get tired of attacking you pretty soon because every time he tries to attack, you start thanking God. He's going to go, this is not the approach I want to take. But see, what a lot of us do is we try and fight it in our mind. So you end up looking like this. Or in service, you're just like, because it's like, listen, stop trying to outthink him. Just start declaring what God said and give thanks. Everybody say, give thanks. So it sabotages the lies. Come on, that was for somebody today. That was for somebody. You need to just start thanking God and declare. Number six, when we are thankful, it's a testimony. What does it say in Revelation? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Every time you have an opportunity to give thanks, you need to just thank God and declare who he is. Why? It's a testimony. And last but not least, when we're thankful, well, I mean, there's more, but for my sharing today, it establishes us in peace. When you are thankful and when you cultivate thankfulness, it creates an environment for peace in your life. And that's one of the distinctives of the believer. One of the distinctives, the enemy cannot counterfeit the peace of God. He tries whatever he can, and people run to all kinds of vices and all kinds of different things. Smoke this, do this, go here, go there. They're trying to get the peace of God, but it never lasts. But when you learn to be in thankfulness, watch what Colossians 3.15 says. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you are called to one body, and be thankful. That's not a new thought. He's saying there's a connection between the peace of Christ ruling in your heart and learning to be thankful. Everybody say, be thankful. So that's part A. Let me move now into part B because I told you I want to talk to you about thankfulness and thanksgiving, but I want to talk to you about the connection to praise. 
Because I started to study this, it opened up for me in a fresh way that I'd never seen it this clearly before. But there is a direct connection in the scriptures between giving thanks and praise. And when you learn to be a praiser, you will grow in giving thanks. And when you learn to give thanks, it grows you as somebody who praises God. Let's look at a bunch of different verses. I just want to show this to you in the Bible. Psalm 100. You're very familiar. Most of you would be familiar with at least parts of this passage. Let's read it. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord. Thank you. Say that again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4, this is what many of us will recognize. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Now watch this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Thanksgiving and praise open the door for us to step into things that God has for us. They open the door for us to come into his presence. They open the door for us to come before him. They open the door for us. There's, there's this connection that happens, and there's this open window that happens when we give ourselves to thanksgiving and praise. Let's look at some more verses. First Chronicles 29, 13. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Psalm 7, 17. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and, my song, and in my song I give thanks to him. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 35, 18. I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng I will praise you. Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 95, verse 2, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 147, verse 7, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving and make melody to our God on the lyre. Jeremiah 30, verse 19, out of them shall come songs of thanksgiving and the voices of those who celebrate. I will multiply them. They shall not be few. I will make them honored and they shall not be small. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Family, I want to encourage you. We talked about a sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is directly connected to a sacrifice of praise. And God is calling us in this season. It's part of our heritage and who we are, but it's also part of where he's taking us forward. But God is calling us to be a people of praise. God is calling us to be a people of thanksgiving, a people who bring a sacrifice of praise. And what I want you is a sacrifice of praise is so powerful when you learn to bring it to God. And the enemy does not want you to understand the power of praise. He does not want you to understand the power of thanksgiving, and he definitely does not want you to learn to bring sacrifices of praise. You know, I was thinking about this as preparing, and I was just looking at the journey in my life and the power of learning to bring a sacrifice of praise and what that's done in my walk with God. Because naturally, I'm not a person who would be given to expressive praise to God. I'm, I'm a little more quiet naturally, I'm definitely conservative. I'm kind of just a little more chill, a little more laid back. 
throw me in a party with dancing, it's a bad scene. Right? It's just, it's just not the way I'm wired. And so, because I know some of us are sitting and listening to me, you're going, yeah, okay, that's all good, Pastor, but, you know, I just, that's not really my thing. That's not really my, but listen, I don't believe you, because I promise you, I would be just in the same boat as you are, but there's something, no matter your personality, no matter, of learning to bring a sacrifice of praise to God and the power it brings into your life. I was thinking about one of the first places that I learned about this was in youth group, which I've talked to you guys a little bit because I've been telling stories and reminiscing. But we had this powerful move of God. And we had God with me. And I remember because in about the mid-90s was when the worship movement first started to hit. I remember like one year being at youth convention and it's just like praise God from whom like nobody wanted to move, nobody wanted to praise. And I remember the next year it was kind of some breakthrough stuff. All of a sudden people at the altar praising God. I kind of remember this whole shift but, but I remember for me, praising God being expressive was, was difficult. You know, you kind of get self-conscious. What are you worried about? What do people think about me? I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. But you've got to learn that it's not about anybody else. This is about Him, and this is about learning to bring a sacrifice of praise. That's what's so key, the sacrifice. I remember the one year at youth convention. Um, and, we're there, and, and so it was like Eastern Ontario and Quebec. Pentecostal Assemblies used to do Queen's University. And we meet there. I remember it was, it was kind of before praise really broke out. So we're all there. It's pretty dead, pretty dry, straight up. But there was this group that had come down from Nineveh. And I always remember there was this big brother, First Nations brother. I mean, he must have been about six, 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 seven. Big, big brother. And in the middle of praise, God's starting to move. And all of a sudden, he jumps out of his seat and he starts to dance across the front. And it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen because he was dancing in the spirit. It's what the Bible talks about. So I'm kind of watching. I'm probably 15 or 16. And all of a sudden I hear God say, go dance with him. And I went, no. <laughs> Everything inside was like, no, this is like, God, this is awful. What do you mean go dance with him? Like, like this is really cool, but... God, I'm trying, like, I, yeah, I love you. I'm trying to talk to girls this weekend too, etc. I'm like, I cannot, my rep will be done for the right, you know, all this stuff is going through your mind. And the Holy Spirit's in my heart, go dance with him. And I'm like, no, I don't want to dance with him. Why? Because I was worried. What was I worried? I wasn't even thinking about God. What was I thinking about? Whatever's going to think about me. But I had this opportunity to offer a sacrifice of praise. So I was learning at that time. I knew a lot. And I just remember it was like this battle back and forth. And you know, you're kind of there. You're like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm not, anybody? Well, I don't get you to raise your hands right now. But you argue with God. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Finally, I'm like, I know. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to repent anyways. I might as well just do it. So I remember I kind of went, I closed my eyes real tight. And I just got, and I just danced behind him. And I went back to my seat. And I just kind of hid for the rest of the night. Not necessarily, so what happened? I, for what I know, I don't know nothing. But there was something in my life that was established that I'm going to obey God, I'm going to bring a sacrifice of praise. And so we went on and I started learning and growing. We got into Tehillah Toronto, which I know some of you might remember. It's this young adults movement here in the city. It bounced around a lot of different places. Seven, eight hundred young adults at its height would be on a Monday night. Laura Woodley Osmond was one of the main worship leaders. And there was just something of just praising God. There was this outbreak of just praise. And I'm just learning to praise God, learning to bring a sacrifice to praise. But guys, part of what I'm really after right now is we all, there's a line 
of really truly praising God that many of us never cross. And we never cross because we're worried about what people think about us. We never cross because we're worried. I don't want to look like this. I don't want this to happen. We all these excuses, and yet there's so much that God has for us on the other side of that line, but will we cross that line? I remember I was in another meeting. Uh, this was a number of years ago. I pastor in ministry. And uh, Matt Sorger, I don't know if some of you know Matt Sorger. He's a real good kind of Holy Spirit event. He's preaching, and God, the Holy Spirit's just moving. And you'll kind of, the guy's preaching, but where people are starting to praise and everything. So I'm kind of right in the back, kind of back left corner. And the Holy Spirit says to me, run around the building. And I said, no. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm like, I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. This is, I'm not trying to run around. This is, oh my gosh. I'm just like, I'm introverted. I don't like doing these things. I'm not trying. And God's just like, run around. And I'm like, no, I don't want to run out. So me and Jesus start arguing again. And arguing. he's like, you need to run. I'm like, no, I'm not running. He's like, you need to run. I'm like, why do I need to run? Uh, can I just run on the spot? Can I just run right here? Like, I try. But I knew enough by this point. I'm like, okay, Lord. <sighs> okay, here we go. All right. So I start running around the building, like the aisle. And I can see the first time I come down, I see him seeing me come. It's like this bald guy charging the stage. And he's like, he kind of looks. And then I kind of turn and fly back up. And I think he goes, oh, he's just running. And I go running around. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking, God, why am I doing this? I'm just running around. It wasn't even like I got caught up in the spirit. I'm just like, I'm just right here thinking I look like an idiot. And I'm just like, I mean, at least I'm married now. I'm not trying to talk to a woman. But, you know, I'm just running around. And, you know, it was there. But there was something about the sacrifice of praise. And I had someone actually pull me aside afterwards. He said, bro, he said, you need to understand, when you started doing that, something just shifted in the place because of your obedience. Are we prepared to do something a little outside of the box? But see, it's this line, the sacrifice of praise. I remember another time, we, uh, this was at a, a CWL service, and we just had this outbreak of praise. And I remember the Holy Spirit, same thing again, run. And I'm like, I don't want to run. Can I just not run? But by this point, hopefully, you know, you kind of learn over time. And, and God's just moving. Like, all this stuff is happening. And I remember, so I cheated a little bit. Because we, we were at U of T. And it was like a big, and if I tried to run those stairs, I don't think I would have made it. So I ran out the back door, ran through the hallway, ran through the other door. So most of my running was out in the hallway. Nobody could see me. Maybe the people at Tim Hortons saw me. They're like, what is happening down there? But I ran. But I always remember that one because we're just dancing. Pastor Samuel is leading us in worship. And I realized, watching Pastor Samuel is out of gas. Like he's just been leading in worship. So, so he pulls one of the best. So he goes, everybody just dance. Well, really, he just didn't want to sing anymore because he was out of breath. And so everyone started, but there's this element of a sacrifice of praise. When was the last time you brought a sacrifice of praise to God? I think there's something even in that, that was, that we, we, maybe we've lost a bit. Uh, and, and maybe not, but even when we look at historically, you know, because when I really started thinking back, um, and I started looking and saying, where, where did this start for me? And I realized that many of the foundational formational parts was when I attended Toronto City Church. It was then known as Covenant Christian Church. And the leadership that Pastor Paul and Elaine brought. So I emailed Pastor Paul this week and I just said, hey, remind me of some of the things you used to talk about in the early days. And this is what he said to me. He said, in the years of the charismatic renewal, and that was the move of God from the 60s into the 70s, the Jesus People Movement, the charismatic renewal. He said, there was such a hunger for God and praise played a huge role in that outpouring. 
It touched our personal lives deeply, and praise became very integral in the move of God we experienced. So when we came to Toronto, it was a priority for us in establishing this new work since we had seen the hand of God so powerfully touch and change the lives of people through praise. We wanted to be a place of praise. During the charismatic renewal, there was a lot of teaching on praise. And one author who impacted me personally was Merlin Carruthers in his books, Prison to Praise, Bringing Heaven into Hell, and Answers to Praise. We personally saw hundreds of people go from hell to heaven as they offer sacrificial praise to God, and he in turn touched their lives so powerfully. He then sent me actually a pamphlet from like when they first started. is a PDF file of it. And this is what it said. The foundational commandment that Jesus referred to is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. In Matthew 22, 36 to 40, Jesus said, this is the great and most important principle and first commandment. All the other commandments and precepts depend on this first commandment working in your life, as well as the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Each of us have our various functions of vocations of the kingdom of God, yet all we do is dependent on the living life of worship before the Father. We are new creations, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And in speaking of a generation to come, the psalmist said, the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Psalm 102, 18. When we are born again, our spirits are newly created by the Spirit of God, and this new spirit is created to praise the Lord. We have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8, 15. Our spirits have an inbred desire to cry out to God in expressions of our love and adoration to our Heavenly Father. This worship is expressed in various forms of our private and corporate times of worship. We find many examples and exhortations of how worship is expressed as outlined in the following explanations. What makes our communion with God so glorious is the fact that He inhabits the praises of His people. We can expect God to be right in our midst when we come together and bring a sacrifice of praise declaring His greatness, His power, and His grace. When God is manifest in our midst, it is a life-changing experience. At Covenant Christian Church, we are intent on this being fulfilled. Guys, it's right here from the foundations. If you look at the foundations of Covenant Christian Church, it became Toronto City Church. At the foundations was the spirit of praise and thanksgiving. We talk about the merge and church without limits. It was right at our foundations, this spirit of praise and thanksgiving. Let me just share a couple more stories with you, and then we're going to respond to the Lord. Miracles happen, and if the worship team wants to come back, miracles happen when we praise God. I once heard a story about a woman missionary in China many years ago. She contracted a deadly disease and was given up to die. For days she lay quarantined in her bunk with no medical help. It was a hopeless situation. The only thing she could do was pray. So hour after hour, she pled with God to heal her. Then suddenly the Lord gave her a vision. She saw an old-fashioned scale, the kind we often see on justice statues, with a fulcrum and plates held by chains on each side. The scale she saw was heavily weighted on one side, but the other side was way up in the air because it was empty. The scale was clearly out of balance. The Lord revealed to her that the heavy side of her prayers, what the heavy side was her prayers. She certainly prayed many prayers, while the empty side was her praise. God quickened her that the praise side needed to be filled to outweigh the trouble she was facing. When the scale was balanced, her healing would manifest it. So this desperately sick woman stopped pleading for her healing and started praising God. She praised him for his greatness. She praised him for sending Jesus and all his benefits. She praised him for being her savior, her healer, her provider, for everything he'd done for her. At first she was so weak that her praises were mere whispers, but as she continued to do nothing but praise and worship God all day and all night, she grew louder. As the people outside her room heard her fervent praise, they feared for her life, thinking she was delirious with fever. You can imagine how amazed they were several days later when she walked out of the room 
room on her own, totally healed. Why? She took the praise cure and she was made well. Guys, how many of you, that's a picture that God has for you today? You've been praying many, many prayers, but God said it's time to praise me for the answer. God said it's time to give thanks for all I've done. It is time for you not just to ask me to do it. Yes, there's a place for prayer, but it's time for you to give me thanks and to give me praise and to watch what I do. Can I share one more with you guys here? Here's another great story, a true story about the power of praising God. Reverend A.E. Wonder great name for a reverend, was led by God to visit a young pastor and his family who were doing a pioneering work in an unevangelized area. As he stood on their front porch with boxes of groceries, he heard the pastor's wife praying for food. Opening the door and seeing all the food, they rejoiced that God had answered their prayer. However, as the young mother prepared dinner for her family and guests, Reverend Wonder noticed that something strange happened whenever she walked by the refrigerator. She frowned and seemed depressed. What's the matter, sister? Reverend Wonder asked her. Every time you walk by the fridge, you look depressed. Do I? The woman exclaimed. I didn't realize I did that. It's just that the refrigerator has been empty so much and I need food for my children. Suddenly, Reverend Wonder received an idea he felt was from the Lord. It would be a challenge to her faith and definitely seem crazy to the modern mind. Sister, he said, I believe if you will shout hallelujah, because what does hallelujah mean? Praise the Lord. He said, I believe you shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. He said, I believe if you will shout hallelujah at the refrigerator every time you walk by it, God will respond and fill up that refrigerator and he'll keep it filled for you. It sounded ridiculous. The family looked at him in amazement. It seemed foolish for the Israelites to march around Jericho and shout praises to God to see those walls fall down, but they shouted anyways and the walls came down. It seemed crazy for Jehoshaphat to have the singers and praisers lead the way in the face of the enemy, but their faith pleased God, and he brought them the victory. Paul and Silas praised God in the prison with their backs bruised and bleeding, but God sent an earthquake that rocked the prison and set them free. He added, so I believe that if you will shout hallelujah every time you walk by that refrigerator God will honor your faith too he's no respecter of persons what he did for them he'll do for you if you believe him so will you do it so the young woman and her family trusted and respected Pastor Wonder as a man of God so they agreed and they began quietly whispering hallelujah every time she walked by the refrigerator the experience so blessed her that in a short time she was practically shouting hallelujah A few days later, Reverend Wonder visited the young couple. They ran onto the porch to meet him with several hallelujahs and praises to God. She said, I kept shouting hallelujah every time I walked by the refrigerator, and the Lord moved on an unsaved man in town to give us all the food and frozen meat our refrigerator could hold. Months later, it was the same story. The woman kept praising God, and the Lord kept meeting her faith. Now, here's why I want to encourage you. I don't know what you need to shout hallelujah at in your life today. You might not need to shout hallelujah at your refrigerator, but you might need to shout hallelujah when we walk through the door of your apartment and the devil keeps telling you God can never bless you with a house. You might need to yell hallelujah when you get into your car and you think, I don't know how much longer this is going to last and I don't know how I'm going to do it, but you shout hallelujah. 
You might need to yell hallelujah when you're seeing your child seem to drift further and further away from God, but instead of speaking the problem, start praising God for the answer. You might need to yell hallelujah when you look at your bank account. You might need to yell hallelujah when you look at something health going on in your body. You might need to look hallelujah when you watch the news and you see how crazy the world seems around. But what I want to encourage you is when you choose to praise, God inhabits the praises of his people. He does not inhabit the complaining of his people. He does not inhabit the whining of his people. He does not have it. But when you rise up and you say, I will praise God even in the middle of my situation, that's when Jericho walls start to fall. And fam, I want to encourage you today. You might be facing a Jericho wall in your life. Make a decision to shout and praise God before the walls come down instead of waiting till after they come down. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody declare Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to see whatever the enemy's trying to throw in your life. I want you to stare it down right now. And I want you to declare hallelujah over your life. Come on. All right, here's what I want to do. Some of you are already with me. We are going to respond to God with a sacrifice of praise today. And here's why I want to encourage you. There's a line. What will people think of me? I'm going to look strange. Listen, are you more worried about what people think or do you want to walk in freedom? Are you more worried about what people think or do you want to have breakthrough? Are you more worried about what people think or do you want to see what God has? That is the choice we make. And so I've asked the team to join us because we're going to take a few moments and we're going to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. And I believe as we do that, something's going to shift. This is not meant to just be a nice message. This is meant to be a shift. Wells are being unplugged and wells are coming to the surface. But it's when we make a decision that I am going to give praise to God. And so if you're with me on this today, I want you to stand to your feet right now. You might need to get out of your seat and come to the altar. You might need to run around the building, whatever it is that God tells you to do. But we are going to take a few moments today before we close. What better thing to do on Thanksgiving weekend than to give thanks and praise to God. So come on, let's just lift our hands. And I want you just to start thanking him. I want you to start lifting him up. Start declaring who he is. Come on, he's good. He is good. He is good. Hallelujah.